We've been dealing for the last few weeks with a series entitled, Why Are We Here? Why are we here is a very important question for the church, for the body of Christ, to answer the question, why are we here? Are we here because we like the music? Are we here because we like the preaching or we like the people? Are we here for what or or what is the reason that we are here is vitally important because the reason that we're here is going to keep us here. Amen? And I don't mean here in this building. I mean walking with Christ, walking with him. As we shared, or as I shared a few weeks ago, I communicated that the body of Christ is in desperate need of realignment. We need some realignment. We need to become focused on the things that God wants us to be focused on. And that is the key to realignment. It is that we will be focused because when we have a proper focus, that will produce Christ-centered pursuits. When we have Christ-centered pursuits, that will promote kingdom priorities. And kingdom priorities will enable parental purging. In other words, when we are focused on the right stuff, when we are focused on the things that really matter, it is going to cause us to come into alignment with the things that we're pursuing. They're going to be Christ-centered. It's not going to be about us. It's not going to be about me. It's going to be all about him. That is what everything that I'm going to be pursuing, running after, that's what's going to happen. And then from that place, I'm going to go ahead and my priorities are going to have kingdom all over it because my life is this. It is to manifest the kingdom of God in every area of my life to ensure that the kingdom that Jesus came and brought is manifesting everywhere that I am, everywhere that I go, that there is not an area where he is not fully being revealed and manifested in this earth. And when we have that mindset, then we know what the scriptures teach because we read in the book of John chapter 15 how the father is the vine dresser and he does what? He prunes the vine. And so when you have kingdom you you have kingdom priorities and focuses in your life, then what begins to happen is the father is able to come and he's able to grab onto your life and remove from you what does not belong because since you're focused on him, since you're running after the things he wants you to run after, you're saying, God, have your way in me. Do what you want inside of me. And so cut what needs to be cut. Even though it may be painful, I want you to have your way. Amen? And so we want to be those type of people that have the right focus. And in this particular portion of scripture, we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as the apostle Paul had been instructing the church, he comes to this place where he begins to deal with the topic of the resurrection. And this is very important to us because we've learned about the cross and we've learned about what it is that, you know, we're supposed to be doing, carrying our cross. We remember when we were looking at the scripture in the book of Mark where Jesus was communicating and he was saying, listen, he said, I must be, I must suffer many things. I must be rejected by the chief priests, the scribes and the elders. He said, I must be killed and then raised on the third day. Remember, we talked about resurrection just slightly and briefly, but I want to deal with that a little bit more today because it's important that we understand why we are here. It is because of that cross and because of that resurrection. Amen? It is for those reasons that we are here today, and so we need to become well acquainted with the reality of the resurrection, which is the title of the the message, the reality of the resurrection. In this portion of Scripture, the Apostle Paul deals with the resurrection more intensely than any other area of Scripture. He communicates about it, and it is because there were some people, he says this, that there are some people who were saying that there is no resurrection. There were some people who were communicating there's no such thing as resurrection. That's just something that people made up. It's something that's not real. And the Apostle Paul begins to say, hey, man, we need to get our focus right. We need to get our minds right because if there's no resurrection, what are we doing? If there's no resurrection, why are we coming together? 
If there's no resurrection, why are we being persecuted? Why, why is it that we're allowing folks to, you know, treat us wrong? Why is it that we're being outcast in our society? Why is it that we're going through persecution? Why is it that we're risking our lives? This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. See, in today's church, you know, it's not like that. We're not, you know, walking out of here. And in most situations, it could happen, you know, glory to God. Praise the Lord if you're saved because you ain't got to worry about this if this were to happen. But if we were to walk out the door, you know, it's, it, it could happen. I don't, I don't think that it will. Glory to God. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. But if we walked out the door and someone had a machine gun and just decided they were just going to gun down everybody up in here. You know what I'm saying? That That's not something that is happening. That's not something that is occurring every day within the church. That's something that we're afraid of. But these people during this time, they were worried, not necessarily of machine guns. They didn't have them back then, but they were worried about being dragged out and being taken, being beaten and being going through persecution that was severe and things that were tough. Hello. They were concerned about that. And the apostle Paul is saying, listen, if there's no resurrection, all of that's in vain. All of that is for no reason at all. And he communicates to them that we need to get our minds focused on the resurrection. And, and when we're talking about the resurrection, we're talking about God. We've all heard this statement. And it's an oversimplified statement. Whenever we're going through something difficult, whenever we're experiencing some kind of um, tribulation in our life or, or turmoil in our life, we hear the statement, you know, you need to focus on God, right? It sounds simple. But what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Because what happens is when we hear that statement, what do we mean we need to focus on God? Just think about how good God is. I don't know if that's necessarily what we should be doing. Because at certain moments when we're thinking about God, we need to focus on the cross and what the cross meant. Because there are certain situations that we're going through that the only way we're going to get through them with our head up is when we're focused on what Jesus did on that cross. Because we're going to realize, hold on a second, I've not suffered to bloodshed. Hello, somebody. I'm not, I haven't gone through what he's gone through. So I can get through this and I can walk through this because of what? Because I'm focused on who he is. There's another portion that we look at here today, and it's looking at this resurrection. Being focused on God is not just focusing on the cross and not just focusing on his suffering, but also focusing on the victory that he wrought and the victory that he gained for us, the victory that we have in him. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing. The resurrection is supposed to be the driving force of the church. Why? If Christ was raised, guess what we're going to be? Raised. If Christ is seated in glory, according to the scriptures, then that is where we are headed to if we're walking with him. Amen? And so it's supposed to be the driving force because, like I said it last week, and you know what, a lot of folks don't want to hear this type of stuff, but what if God doesn't fix every single one of your problems here on the earth? What happens if God decides that he is not going to answer every one of your prayers according to your desire? Are you still going to walk with him? Do you still have something to look forward to? Do you still have something that you're going to be able to say, man, you know what? All of this is worth it because you know what Paul said? Paul said that the present suffering are not to be compared with the future glory. But you know what the problem is, church? We don't want to live for future glory because we're too stuck in the here and now. I heard somebody say something one time. He said, you know, we need to learn to get our, um, it's like a radio station. And he said, and we need to learn to tune in to heaven instead of being so tuned into the earth. Because what happens is we're so tuned into what's going on here, what's going on now, what's, what we're experiencing, what we're not getting. What, we're so caught up in those kind of things that when we hear about the glory that's to come, that's way too far for us to be living for that today. But the Bible says we're supposed to live for that every day. We are supposed to be living based on this resurrection reality. You see, because when our hope lies in this resurrection, what will happen is our devotion will be directed toward that day. Did you hear me? 
When our hope lies in that resurrection reality, when our hope lies in the fact that our Savior didn't just die, he was not just buried, but he rose again and he is now seated in glory. Now our devotion becomes directed there. Our efforts become aimed at one thing. We know that one day we are going to meet the maker face to face. We are going to come before him, either righteous or unrighteous, and we're going to come into his presence. And that day is going to be a glorious day for some people, and it's going to be a shock to others because some people are going to get the, hey, you know, talk to the hand. I never knew you. Part from me, you worker of iniquity. Others are going to hear, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's going to be good for some and bad for others. Hello. This is what the scriptures teach. What we've got to do is make sure that we're the kind of people that are living for that day, that our efforts are aimed toward that, and that our strength and our time will be spent doing these things. We see here the Apostle Paul communicating to the church about this resurrection. He goes and he breaks down this list of people that, that Christ revealed himself to. He says that at this time when this book was written, probably around 60 AD, he says that there are some people who are still alive that saw Jesus. That's good news for us. Amen, somebody? Because today we know that there is nobody who is still alive who saw Jesus flesh and blood. There's nobody today who's alive that saw that because that's just impossible. But the reality is at this particular moment we have scriptures that communicate to us that during these days that the church was going through all of the stuff they were going through, there were still folks who were alive of those 500 and the apostles that were there that saw Jesus face to face. So we know that there is a reality, not just what the scriptures, because he gives us the fact that the scripture says that he was going to die because Jesus died for what? For our sins. Say it. He died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was resurrected. Come on. According to the scriptures. But not only did the scriptures prophesy it, but he also had witnesses, people who saw him, people who experienced him. And then the apostle Paul says, me last of all. He gives his list of rundown of people. And then he says, me last of all. He revealed himself to me. He showed himself to me. And you want to know what? There's people today that they may not have seen him like the apostle Paul did, but they've experienced his presence. If you're standing here today and you're excited about Jesus, it's not because our music is so great. Hello, somebody. It is because you have encountered him. Now, if you're standing there and it is, you know, you're not excited about him, I got to question your encounter. Hello. I, I know you didn't want to hear that either. Glory to God. It's all right. Praise the Lord. You know, notice I look down. I didn't look at anybody. Glory to God. Listen, I'm not saying you got to jump out of your seat. I'm not saying you got to. I'm talking about excited inside of your spirit. Hello. I'm talking about stirred up about your God, overwhelmed. You know why you'll be like that? Because you met him, church. Because you met him. I'm not talking about the noise on the outside. I'm talking about what's going on on the inside. See, because the outside will come if there's something going on on the inside. Hello. The outside will, it's going to come. You're going to clap. You're going to, tears are going to run down your face. The passion for him is going to overflow. Why? Because you met him. But if you didn't meet him, hello. You can jump, scream, and shout, but there's no real excitement going on inside. Because there's an excitement that comes from the connection you've had with him. And the apostle Paul is communicating. He's saying, listen, he said, you being here, he said, you, 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 you being the church, he said, that's another proof of the resurrection because you heard this message. And it wasn't because I was such a great preacher. The apostle Paul, he says it clearly. I didn't come to you with words of eloquence. He said, I came to you with a demonstration of the spirit. What happened? The Holy Spirit gripped their hearts because of what? Because Jesus is risen. Say it. Jesus is risen. He's risen, church. And so why are we here? Repeat this after me. Say, we are here to grow in our experience of resurrection truth. 
We're talking about why are we here, and we're coming to the close of this little series here. And so why are we here? Well, one of the reasons why we are here is to grow in the experience of resurrection truth. You see, what was happening here was this, and, and we got to remember this always, when whatever we're going through, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, okay? It's not, it's not that people, people are, you know, they're not demons. Hello, they're not the devil. They may be being used by demons and devils, but they're not. Hello, somebody. We, we, we got to grasp that because sometimes, you know, we just want to, you know, send people places we don't need to send them. But the reality is they're not our issue. The enemy is our issue. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. And sometimes we're trying to fight battles in the natural that can only be fought in the spirit realm, can only be fought in that place. And the apostle Paul says this. He says, man, there's some people saying there's no resurrection. Who do you think was the author of that lie? Thank you. Glory to God. The devil the Antichrist, he was the author of that lie. He's the one who put that in. The, but why does he do that? He does that because if you doubt the resurrection, then everything else is null and void. If you don't believe in the resurrection, if you don't believe, why do you think, I mean, you, you look at these things, Da Vinci Code and all of this. What do you think that is, church? Do you think that that's God trying to confuse you? And it's not just somebody trying to make all kind of money. This is the enemy who is trying to bring doubt into your life. And so how is it that we deal with doubt? Well, the greatest combatant to doubts that the enemy tries to sow into our lives is daily growth and our experience with the Lord. Hello. We want to deal with doubts. We want to deal with fears. We want to deal with all of these things. How do we do that? We do that with a daily experience, not, not, not monthly, not weekly, not biannually, hello, no, no, daily experience with the Lord. God doesn't want you to just experience him once in a while, church. He wants you to experience him daily. Now, when I say experience him daily, I don't mean that every single day you're going to experience this overwhelming flood of his presence. I didn't say that. But you can be in his presence every day, being in his word every day, experiencing him every day, growing with him every day. This is what God wants us to do. Turn your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul declares. The Apostle Paul who just finished giving us this wonderful breakdown of what happened in the resurrection and the revelation and puts himself there as being one who received this revelation in the book of Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. When you got it, say so. And it says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. In verse 10, I love it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, does this sound like some saved apostle that is just walking in intimacy with God? It sounds like somebody who does it who's not even sure if they know God. This is what it sounds like. I mean, he's saying, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection, it's almost like he's not secure. Let me assure you that is not the case here. 
He is secure as anybody else can be secure. He knows who his God is. But what he is realizing is this, is that even though he's had all kind of revelations of God, he had, he got, you know, he's walking on the road to Damascus. He has this encounter with the Lord. He's on a ship. He has an encounter with the Lord. He has all of these encounters with God. He has all of these revelations of heaven, all of these different things that are occurring. God has used him to do great and mighty things. And he still communicates something that should wake something inside of us. And it is that even though I know know him and I've experienced him I still want to know him and experience him more I don't want to get comfortable and think okay well I know him I've experienced him now I'm going to sit down and cross my legs and wait until I get into eternity the apostle Paul he is saying listen if I can just know he said I have let everything become like dung okay this is feces animal this is what he's given the he said I've let everything all of the things the plaques on the walls that I could have being a Pharisee a Pharisee hello being all having all of the notoriety with all of the people no no I don't want any of that what I want is I want to know him I want to know him daily. I want to grow with him daily. And this church should wake us up because I can guarantee you that nobody in this place, I doubt most folks that are walking on the planet, there may be some that may be at that level, but most of us are not at this level. Most of us are not walking at that level of ministry and intimacy with God. Most of us have never had face-to-face -face encounters like that with God. Most of us have never been taken to the third heavens and shown things that he couldn't repeat. Most of us haven't been through stuff like that. Most of us are not walking to the degree of perfection that he was, and yet he was crying out, saying, I just want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. So why are we here, church? We're here to grow in our experience of resurrection truth. The truth of God's word, and this is what we've got to grasp, it is not solely meant for us to learn and memorize and meditate on, but God wants us to know the author, which is himself. He doesn't just want you to know everything that the scripture says and know exactly what this means. No, no, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. The second thing, repeat this after me. We are here to live a resurrection lifestyle. We are here to live a resurrection lifestyle. We're here to grow in our experience with him daily. But we are here to live this resurrection lifestyle. Turn with me to the book of Romans, please. Chapter 6. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul communicates here again. The book of Romans chapter 6 will begin in verse 1. When you got to say so. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we... Who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now let's pause for a moment because he asks a question. He's like, he's like, hold on a second. He said, do you not know this? Do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? 
He's asking them a question. He's saying, listen, you can't continue living in sin because there was something that happened when you were baptized into Christ. He's not talking about water baptism. That's not what he's talking about. Whenever we come to Christ, we are baptized in him. We are submerged in him. We are overtaken by him. And when we come to Christ, this is the reason why we've got to hear the message that is correct, which is if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself because you need to realize that if you're coming after me, you're coming into me. And when you come into me, you are now being crucified with me. So that means, that, that, that means some powerful stuff for us. Because sometimes, the reason why this question is good for us, because sometimes we're living like we did before we met him. Hello. We need to remind ourselves, hold on, you, you, you need to like talk to yourself, have a conversation with yourself. And be like, hold on a second, did you not know? Church, it, 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 it's not being crazy. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Look, did you not know? When you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. Listen, husbands and wives, glory to God. It's a good relationship. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen? Good relationship, iron, sharpening iron. Hallelujah, glory to God. Uh-huh, hallelujah. When your spouse starts acting like yesteryear, babe, did you not know? Just whisper it to them so you don't get confrontational. Did you not know when you was baptized? Get ghetto on them. When you was baptized, yo. <laughs> remind them because sometimes we need a reminder. You know what? So we can be, wait a second. Hold on. That, that, that's, that's the old man. Parents, children, good relationship. Amen. Hallelujah. Iron sharpens iron both ways. Glory to God. Whisper, just remember, whisper, just whenever you just whisper. Pop, mom, did you not know? Son, daughter, did you not? What, what, wasn't that you up on the altar? What, what, wasn't that you that raised your hand? Did you not know? Church, we need to have these serious conversations because sometimes we act like we don't know. I mean, let, 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 let's just be real for a moment. Sometimes we act like, we, I, I, I didn't know that. I was dead. Huh? Let's continue on reading the scripture. Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Because now you know that you were baptized into this death, now that you know that this old, you and I are supposed to walk in this newness of life. Amen? For if we have been united together, in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And it's not just talking about future, it is talking about now. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, like thrown in the garbage and trash compacted, hello, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Some of us in the church are still slaves to sin. 
What do you mean, Bishop? How is it that we're slaves to sin? Some of us cannot say no to certain things that do not glorify God. Some of us. Some of us are slaves to sin. And God is communicating to us through his word. Did you not know? You were baptized into his death, and so that means that old man is done away with. That old man is gone. You need to recognize this so you can live not as slaves to sin. Verse 7 says, for he who has died, oh glory to God, has been freed from sin. So if you died with him, you should no longer be bound to sin. And can I tell you the issue? Here's the issue. The issue is not was the altar experience real. The issue is not was my raising of my hand real. The issue is that after I raise my hand to give my life to Jesus, after I make the decision to come to an altar, after I make the decision that I'm going to follow him, the issue is not did he do something. The issue is are you walking in it? Are you continuing on? Because, see, I know the experience. is There's a freedom that comes. Well, I, I don't know about anybody else in here, but I know that when Christ entered into my life, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like I was waiting for stuff to get broke. No, no, no. It was like stuff was broken immediately. I was, I was as free as I've ever been. And then you know what I experienced? Let me tell you what I experienced. Walking with Christ, still praying, still reading my Bible. But then you know what happens? I'm going to tell you what happens most of the time. Most of the Not all the time. Most of the time. You start getting around those folks, they're Christians. They go to church just like you go to church. They lift their hands and praise just like you do. They sing louder than you. They're more excited than you are. Hello, somebody. And you get around them, and you start to see, hold on a second. Everything I'm saying no to, they're doing. I'm missing something. No, you're not missing anything. And then what happens is, they're not the reason why you fall. You fall because you make a decision. They're not the reason why you start sinning. You sin because you decided to give into your flesh. You decide to listen to that old man who's knocking on the coffin. Come on, I want to come out and play. Come on, I want to come out and have a good time. Come on, we can go to that movie. Come on, we can go hang out over here. Come on, we can go do that. Mm-hmm. Listen. We need to recognize what the scriptures teach. The moment we came to Christ, the moment we entered in him, guess what? Free from sin. We're not waiting to be free, church. Free from sin. Why? Because he nailed it to the cross. Did you hear me? He nailed it to the cross. Free from sin. You're walking with Jesus, free from sin. You just need to walk in freedom. What does that mean? That means you need to say no to sin that's going to try to come and creep up and do what? And bind you again. Hello, somebody. Important stuff here. We make decisions. Again, I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm just saying we start to see it. And I, and I talk about my own life because when I first got saved, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't go to the It wasn't a question of should I go to Rated R, Rated G. I didn't go to any movie theater. Hello. Straight up. No movies at all. Legalistic to the core. Glory to God. But freer than I've ever been in my life. Hallelujah. I know you didn't want to hear that. See, because I, get, I, I used to challenge my youth all the time. I said, you know what I want you to do? You know how you go watching all them crazy movies and all that kind of stuff? And I challenge you today to do it as well. Go on ahead and make a decision. For the next 30 days, you are not going to turn on the television. You're not going to watch any kind of movie. I know some people just almost had a heart attack right now. Like, oh, no Law and Order. Oh, 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 oh. They, they, they just, no CSI. Oh, oh, oh. Glory to God. No, no home. home. Uh-huh. I, know, I know. I know. It got crazy right there for a moment. I felt the jolt. I felt it. Hallelujah. Receive life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Listen, listen to me. I challenge them all the time. Go on ahead and sit down. Now, don't just not watch the TV. But during the time you would normally be watching TV and normally be going to the movies, engage with God in spiritual activity. In other words, when you would normally be sitting down watching TV, open up your Bible. When you would normally be sitting down watching TV and, you know, or, or going to the movies or whatever it is you would normally do, don't just go hang out somewhere else and just kill the time. No, do something that is going to feed your spirit, man. Amen? Now, after that month of doing that, really engaging in those spiritual activities, getting in with God and worshiping in his word, go on ahead and put on one of them filthy movies. And watch and see how all of a sudden you notice every curse word that came out of there. Watch and see how you notice all of a sudden, man, that's not right for my eyes. You know why? Because you, this is what happens to us, church. We become desensitized to the holiness of God because we just, oh, well, I'm going to watch that. That's okay. I'm free. You ain't free. You're blind. That's not freedom, church. Paul says, don't use your freedom as a vice, as, as a license to sin. And that's what we do. Well, I'm free. I can ask for forgiveness. That's called hypocrisy. That's what that is. When we, and I'm not going to say you, when we sit there and like, man, I know that that word wasn't right. Why don't we turn it off? Why don't we get up and walk away? Oh, well, because everybody else is doing it. Who cares what everybody else is doing? Where's the Holy Ghost in all of this? Do you think that he's sitting there just engaging with all of that activity? Hey, that's cool to watch. No, he's not. He's not cool with that, church. We're free from sin, amen? No, 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 let, 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 let me clarify this now. I'm not telling you that you're going to hell if you're watching the TV. I'm not telling you you're going to hell if you go to the movies. I'm not telling you none of that stuff. That's between you and the Lord, and I hope you're making the right decision because when you get before him, he's going to let you know for sure. That, that, that's how it is, church. He's going to let you know for sure. Was, was, was that okay? Mm-hmm. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Here and now, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, church, need to reckon ourselves. I'm dead to sin. I don't need to do that. I don't need to live that way. I don't need to participate in those things. Why? Because the reality of the resurrection does not only entitle us to a new life, but it requires us to live a new life. When we hear about Jesus entering our life and giving us new life, it gives us an entitlement. We are entitled to new life. We have been given the privilege of having new life, church. But you know what? It's not just an entitlement. There's a requirement that we live a new life. Paul said that we are to walk in the newness of life. We are to walk in the newness, a new life. That means new passions, new desires, new pursuits, new goals, new life. Totally, everything is new. This is what the Bible says. Every, any man who be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Hallelujah. As I was sitting down meditating on this, I said, you know what? Becoming a Christian is like entering into the divine witness protection plan. What do you mean, Bishop? Well, if you enter into a witness protection program, what happens? You get a new identity. 
They move you to a new place, and now you live a new life. You don't talk about the old because if you do, that'll get you killed. Hello. It will draw attention to you because of what? Because you're called to be a witness. And so when we become Christians, that's what needs to happen. You know what it is? We want the new name, we want the new life, but we want to live the old life as well. We want to have all the benefits, but we don't want to have the sacrifice. Not God. Hello. We want, we, 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 we want all of the new, everything new, brand new. Forget about the old, but we don't want to act new. We don't want to live new. We don't want to do the. We got to do the new, church. Because what? Because we're called to be witnesses. And if we're not living that new life, we will never be able to be the witnesses God has called us to be. And just because that old man died doesn't mean he doesn't, like I said, he's still knocking. Hello? And when you get around certain situations, he knocks a little bit harder. So what does that mean? That means you need to recognize that stuff and stay away from that and do what? Don't just run away from that. Run to God. Hello. So living the newness of life, we're here to live a resurrection lifestyle. Living a resurrection lifestyle, church, will cause us to be focused on the final resurrection in which the just, those who are saved, those who know Jesus, will be raised to eternal life. Those who are unjust, the ones who have rejected Christ, who have rejected his salvation, who have rejected his sacrifice, who are enemies of the cross, they will be raised up to eternal damnation in hell. That is the bottom line. Understand it. There is no, I want to repeat this. I said this last week. I, I want to say it every week, glory to God, until the day I die. There is no in-between. You either are or you're not, Period. You're either with God or against God. There's no in-between here. There's a resurrection. That will happen. And we all are living for that day. Whether we like it or not, we are either storing up for ourselves wrath or we are storing up for ourselves blessing and peace in what? In Christ, in God, because we're living for that day. See, the reason why this resurrection in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he communicates something clearly. He is saying to them, he's saying, listen, guys, he's saying this doubt of no resurrection has caused you to let your guard down. This doubt of no resurrection has caused you to stop living the way you're supposed to. That's why he goes on, I believe it's in like verse 38 or something like that, and he says to them, he says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good habits. He says, awake and sin no more. Why, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's saying, look, he said, you're, you're thinking that this resurrection is not a reality because you've been hearing that Christ is coming. You've been hearing this. You've been going through whatever you're going through. You haven't seen it manifest, and so you know what? You get tired of waiting. You get tired of doing right, and so he goes on and he says, listen, do not be deceived. Don't think that you're going to keep living and being around the wrong things and thinking the wrong thoughts and meditating on the wrong things and you're going to live this glorious life. It's not going to happen. You are going to end up doing the stuff that you were doing before. Because what? Because you're not living for the resurrection. Because you're not living this lifestyle. The third thing I need you to repeat after me is says, we are here to demonstrate the full power of the resurrection. Turn with me to the book of Acts, please, chapter 2. This is a scripture that we should all know probably by heart, but I want you to see it here because it's important for us. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. This is, this is toward the end of Peter's first sermon after being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's communicating to these people, when you got it, say so. And it says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 39 says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
And so the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter is communicating and he's saying, listen, he's saying, if you have heard the message, then there's only one response. Repent and be baptized. Turn away from your sin. Make an allegiance to Christ. Walk with him and make that decision that from this day on you're going to walk with him. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to receive this wonderful gift. And it's called the Holy Spirit. You are going to be empowered to do what? To be that witness. To be that living witness that is going to walk in the power of the Spirit. What I love about this scripture here is that verse 39 says, For the promise is to you, in other words, to the people who I'm preaching to. It is to your children, the ones who you're going to have, or the ones who are not here with you at this moment. And and it is to all who are afar off that's you and me and as many look at this as many as the Lord our God will call and so this gives us some clear understanding that the need for the Holy Spirit continues from generation to generation to generation and the promise for the Holy Spirit is from generation to generation to generation there is no question the Apostle Paul makes it clear the promise of salvation and the promise of being filled with the Spirit of God goes from generation to generation because we need the Spirit of God to be be the witness. The Spirit of God is the one who witnesses to the resurrection power. If there is no Spirit of God, church, our efforts are null and void. We cannot do this on our own strength. That is the reason why he told his apostles and his disciples, he told them, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power because then you can be my witnesses. Apart from the power of the Spirit of God manifesting and operating in our lives, we can do nothing. Nothing, church. And so we're here to grow in our experience with him. We're here to grow in our understanding and relationship with him. We're here to live a resurrection lifestyle. And we are here to demonstrate the full power of the resurrection. The first and greatest demonstration of resurrection power is the change that is within us. The first and greatest, the greatest miracle that happens is the salvation of our soul, church. The salvation, somebody going from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that is the greatest miracle. To see someone go from being bound in sin to being free in Christ. That is the greatest demonstration of the resurrection power because it says there is a living God who is working in the earth and working in this life. And so that's something that we've got to make sure is being manifested in us that our character is being changed. But in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah had a revelation of the throne room of God. And when he had this revelation, he gets this, this picture and he sees, oh my goodness, God is holy. Then he says, oh my goodness, I I am unholy. Then he recognizes something because God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are having a conversation. And he's like, who will I send? And who will go for us? He asks the question. And Isaiah says, me, because I realize you're holy, I'm unholy, but you know what? This world needs to hear about you. And so what happens is that same question, church, that was burning inside of the heart of Isaiah should be burning inside of the heart of the people of God today. That same question stands today. Who will God send? And the only ones he can send are are the ones who want to be full of his power to go out there and be witnesses for what he needs them to be witnesses of, which is his resurrection power, church. This is what we're here for to be witnesses of the resurrection power, to be those people who are communicating. It's amazing because Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 28, and you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. You know this scripture as well. In the book of Matthew 28, verses 18 to verse, verse 10, Jesus communicates to his disciples, and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Powerful statement. All authority, every bit of authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, period. All authority, all authority has been given to me. 
the next sentence is baffling. Because then he says, go, make disciples of all nations. I have all this authority. I have all of this power. I've gained everything because on the cross, I gained it all. Resurrection, gained it all. It's all been given to me. And here's what I want to, here is what I want to invest my power in, you. I want to invest my power in you to go and do what? Make disciples. I want to invest my power in you to go out there and show people that I'm alive. I want to invest my power in you so that way you can go and be witnesses to who I am. Not who I was. Not who someone told you about. Who I am. This church is what we're here for. To be witnesses of this resurrection power. This world does not only need to see a change in us, but it needs to experience change through us. Hear me. As people connected to the eternal source of life, liberty, and love, we cannot help but produce all of the kingdom of God wherever we are. If we went ahead, these speakers plugged right here. If I disconnected that speaker and left the open end of the cord out here and just went on ahead and, and chopped that cord and, and enabled you to be able to come and touch that, it is a guarantee you would be electrocuted. No question asked. You grab that cord, that bare cord, guess what's going to happen? You are going to be electrocuted. You are going to experience what that thing is plugged into. It's plugged into power. There's nothing you can do to stop that. Nothing. You plug in that speaker to that, and guess what? The light's going to come on. Why? There's power flowing. So here's the question. Why is it that our lives are not affecting our world that way? Are we not connected? Are we not connected? Is that, that the problem? Or maybe we got stuff that's hindering us. Or we're connected in private. But we got, and I, I use my favorite word, we got all kind of kinkage. Got blockage up in the way. Things that are hindering that. And so it's one of two things. It's real simple. Either we need to get connected or we need to let the stuff be removed that is hindering us from being able to bring change. Because it's one thing for God to change us. It's a whole other thing for us to bring change wherever we go. I remember going to a youth conference, and I think I wrote this in one of the newsletters. But in this, new, in this youth conference, in, in the beginning of the message, I love the message. I might not have enjoyed everything else that went on, but I love the message. And one of the things that the preacher said, he said, you know, man, you got a choice in the matter. You know, you can be the, 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 the thermostat or you can be the thermometer. You can be the one who dictates the atmosphere or you can be the one who just tells everybody, oh, it's cold in here, it's hot in here. Christians. We're not supposed to be the ones telling the temperature. We're supposed to be the ones dictating the temperature. Oh, it's not impossible. The question is, am I connected and am I willing to live the way that he's called me to live? I'm closing with this. My question is simple. Are you growing? Are you living? And are you demonstrating the resurrection of Christ the way that he's called you to? That's what it's been about. This whole message has been about those three things. Are you growing in this daily? Are you growing in this resurrection power relationship with your God? Are you growing in it? Be honest with yourself. Are you growing? Are you experiencing him? Is your life demonstrating the change that has taken place? Is it showing that change? And lastly, are you demonstrating it? Are you bringing change into the atmosphere? 
I want you to notice something, and I, wrote, and, 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 I, and, and I copied this from one of the commentaries that I have. And it says this, the Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for services as usual. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, they met daily. The book of Acts chapter 6 verse 1, they cared daily. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, they won souls daily. The book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, they searched the scriptures daily. The book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 5 declares, and they increased in number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day -day reality, not a once or twice a week routine. The question is why? And it is because the risen Christ was a living reality to them, and his resurrection power was at work in their lives through his spirit. Christianity Church, today, what you see in the book of Acts, you can see it today. What you see going on in these lives, you should see it today. That's why God left us the blueprint. So we could say, God, we want to be like these people that were devoted that way. And you know what we see throughout the scriptures, and I love it because they could have easily just went when they did this commentary, and they could have said, you know what, well, it says it here in the book of Acts chapter 2, but you know what they did? They walked you all the way through this book. And they show you that this doesn't stop after the church left Jerusalem. But as the church continues to spread, as the church continues to grow, it continues to grow in these areas. It was a daily thing, church. They were experiencing their Christ, their God, the Spirit of the Lord. They were experiencing Him daily. And because of that, they were able to bring change to their communities daily. It says it clearly, church. Daily. Daily. And so the question remains... Are you growing? Are you living? Are you demonstrating the resurrection power of Christ? If you're not, then today's a wonderful day for you to say, Lord, here I am. Have your way in me. Everybody stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.